chapter 6. And these words which I command thee this day shall be in thine heart. And thou shalt teach them diligently unto thy children, and shalt talk of them when thou sittest in thine house, and when thou walkest by the way, and when thou liest down, and when thou risest up. Beloved congregation in the Lord Jesus Christ, the words of our text were words that were spoken by Moses at the end of the wilderness wandering of the Israelites. They had received the law of God some 40 years prior. God had delivered them out of Egypt through the Red Sea, destroyed Pharaoh and his hosts in that same Red Sea, brought them down to Mount Sinai, and there Moses went up into the mount, and God gave unto Moses the two tables of stone, and etched on those tables of stone were the Ten Commandments. Then, after having received the law, they wandered for the next 40 years in the wilderness, but now the time of their wilderness wandering is coming to a close, and they are standing close to the land of Canaan ready to enter, but before they enter Canaan, they pause, and Moses addresses Israel. He gives unto them the law again in Deuteronomy. Moses is now an aged man. He soon will die. So Deuteronomy contains for us, then, the words of an aged saint as he addresses the generations that follow him, which soon will enter into the promised land. And of utmost concern to the aged man Moses was that the generations which follow be taught the commandments, and the statutes of the Lord. Verse 6, Then these words, which I command thee this day, shall be in thine heart, and thou shalt teach them diligently unto thy children. Let's consider this text this evening under the theme, Diligently Teaching Our Children. First, we'll consider the teacher, who is the teacher. Second, the duty that the teacher has. And then third, the truth that is given to the generations following. The teacher, the duty, the truth. Who was the teacher? Who was the one in Old Testament Israel whose duty it was to diligently teach the children. I'm going to answer this question with various different levels of the answer. We're going to start broad and then narrow down the answer of who is the teacher. First, most broadly, the teacher was the Israelite. It was to the nation of Israel that this commandment was given Diligently teach your 
children. The word is used in the prior verses, the word Israel. Verse 3, you see Israel addressed here, therefore, O Israel, and observe to do it. Again in verse 4, hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. And then verse 6 and 7, continuing off of that object, the Israelites being addressed by God, these words which I command thee, Israel, this day shall be in thine heart, and thou, Israel, shall teach them diligently unto thy children. The Israelites were the people who had knowledge of Jehovah God. They knew God because Jehovah himself, through mighty acts and terrible deeds, had revealed himself unto the nation of Israel. The Israelites were given not just an understanding of the fact that there was a deity, that there was a divine, all-powerful creator, but the Israelites were given a special knowledge of Jehovah God. They were given to know that Jehovah God was the one who had saved them and had delivered them. The Israelites were those who had a personal relationship with Jehovah God. They knew of how God had made a promise unto their great-great-grandfather Abraham promising unto him that he would make a great nation out of Abraham. They knew how God had promised to Abraham that he would provide for that nation a place to live. They knew that God had swore unto Abraham that land of Canaan, a rich land flowing with milk and with honey. They knew God who had preserved them during the 400 years that they were captives in Egypt. And then they knew God as the God of grace who gave unto them a gracious deliverance out of the captivity of Egypt and brought them into the wilderness. They knew God as the one who never left them but who guided them by that pillar of cloud by day and the pillar of fire by night. It was to Israel unto whom God had made himself known that he gave this command, teach your children. There was no one in Old Testament Israel who could claim that they did not have to obey that commandment. Old and young, Male and female, teach your children. Moses taught them. His sister Miriam taught them the songs of Zion. Taught them music. Aaron and the Levites and the priests taught them about the sacrifices that they had to offer unto God. And just as God came to Old Testament Israel as a whole, and just as there was a corporate responsibility that they had to teach the children of Israel the fear of the Lord, 
so God comes to you as a congregation, Dune Protestant Reformed Church. And God's word to you is teach diligently old and young, male and female, teach. Some called to teach in an official capacity in the Christian day school, but all called to teach. Teach by your example, by your patience, by your understanding. Teach the children. What an encouragement this is then to young families who begin the work of teaching their children. They do so knowing that they are not alone as they teach their children, but they stand shoulder to shoulder with the people of God who gather together to teach. Israel, teach. Who is the teacher? First Israel, second, now narrowing it down, the teacher was the parent parent was the teacher. That becomes evident, first of all, from the fact that God speaks of children. Verse 7, teach diligently unto thy children. The one who has children is the parent. It also becomes evident that the one who is the teacher is the parent from the location where this instruction was to be given. Instruction was to be given in the home where parents lived with their children. Verse 7, And shalt talk of them when thou sittest in thy house, and when thou walkest by the way, and when thou liest down, and when thou risest up. This is a humbling thought for parents. God has chosen me to teach the children. And there is nothing that can change or diminish this reality that I as a parent am a teacher. It could be that one judges themselves to be inadequate for the work of teaching children. It could be that one feels that they are a very poor teacher and that others could do a much better job of teaching the children. But regardless of one's sentiments of whether they are or are not qualified for teaching, that does not change the reality. God has called you as parents to be teachers. Whether for good or for evil, whether as a positive, good teacher, or as a poor teacher, we are, as parents, teachers. There is no one who is going to have as much of an influence in your child's life as you, who are the parents. So God calls the parent to be mindful of that reality. I am a teacher. I've been called by God 
to be a teacher. I'm a teacher that has authority over the children. In the day and age in which we live, there's more and more pushback against the idea of authority in the home. And yet God, in his word, teaches that children are to honor father and mother. And so the instruction that parents give unto their children is not merely a suggestion that is given unto them. And then it's up to the children whether the children will honor the instruction of the parents or whether the children will disregard the instruction of the parents. But there is authority from the instruction of the parents. When the parents teach their children in the home and when the parents teach their children faithfully in the home according to the commandments of God, then it is God himself who is speaking through the parents unto the children, commanding the children to walk in obedience unto Jehovah God. And that, as we said, is a humbling thought. God calls us as parents with all of our weaknesses and says, now you, you teach the children the truths of the Lord. Who's the teacher? Number one, the Israelite. Number two, parents. Number three, the teacher is the believer. The believer. The one who had God's word in his heart. Verse six, and these words which I command thee this day shall be in thine heart and thou shalt teach them diligently unto thy children the teacher is the one who has not merely an intellectual understanding of truth the teacher is the one not merely who understands subject material the teacher is not merely the one who can articulate words. The teacher is not merely the one who can hold the attention of the ones being taught. But the outstanding qualification of the teacher as it is set forth in God's word is the teacher is the one who has God's word in his or her with God's word hid in the parent's heart the teacher is qualified to carry out the work of teaching the generation that follows the wonderful works of the Lord but lacking God's word hid in his heart the parent is disqualified from being able to teach the generation that follows, Jehovah God. The heart, the heart is the seat of man's emotions. The heart is, in the scriptures is distinguished from the mind. With the mind, man understands information, processes information, memorizes information. But in a distinction from that, the scriptures speak of man's heart. And it's in the heart that Man wills 
that man loves and that man desires. It's in the heart that man responds unto information. With the mind, he understands it. With the heart, he responds unto it. And so what then is your response unto the truths of God's Word? You as the New Testament church have been given to know God. God has revealed Himself unto you. Just as Israel of old knew God through the mighty deeds which He had performed. So you who come into the house of the Lord and have been instructed under the preaching of God's Word, you know God with your mind. But now how does your heart respond? To those truths which are taught unto you. We depend upon the Holy Spirit who takes these truths and goes through the mind unto the heart. That's the teacher. The one who loves truth, the one who is willing to submit to truth, the one who orders his life according to truth, the one who follows truth and justice all the days of his life. That's what qualifies you to be a teacher because the Spirit presses those truths in your The duty that God gives unto us then as teachers is instruct. And thou shalt teach them diligently unto thy children. The word translated here as teach diligently in the original is one word. It's a word that is rich with meaning. The idea here of this word to teach diligently is that of a man who is working with a tool, an axe or a chisel. And after having used that tool, chisel slicing through the wood, after having used that, the tip of that tool has become dull or blunt. Because it's dull, it's therefore no longer useful for him in service. And so he takes that dull chisel and he goes then to a whetstone. That's the idea of that word, teach diligently, the use of a whetstone. And then he takes that dull tool, the edge of it, and he rubs it back and forth over the edge of that whetstone, grinding away the steel until that point is refined to being sharp again. And then that chisel being sharp, then he can take it back in his hand and use it in the work that he seeks to accomplish. This word, rich in meaning, teaches us here about teaching. There are several points of comparison between a man sharpening his chisel, and what the parent does in teaching. 
And the first point of comparison is this, that just as the dull chisel is ineffective for use, so the child not taught the commandments of the Lord is ineffective. The sense in which the child who is ignorant of the truths of the Lord is ineffective is this sense they are not equipped to live and fight as soldiers. When God brings a child into this world, we confess that that child becomes a member of the church militant. And as a member of the church militant, that child will have to fight against the threefold enemy. And the primary means by which that child will be equipped to resist the temptations that come before him or her is by the word of God. We are commanded by the Apostle Paul in the New Testament book of Ephesians to take the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. And the child who has not been given that word of God will be ineffective then in resisting the temptations that come before him or her. And so God says, teach them. Teach the child. And that leads into the next point of comparison to the figure and that is this, that just as the one who is looking to sharpen the chisel does the repetitive task of grinding it back and forth until the point is refined, so the parent teaches the child by the repetitive task of memorization. That is how the truths of God's word find their way into the mind and we pray as well into the heart of the generation that follows. It's by going back and forth, just like that individual sharpening the chisel. It's a repetitive motion. It's a motion that's monotonous. There's nothing particularly glorious about the work of sharpening a chisel, but it's a necessary work so it is that God in his wisdom has decreed that, determined that the way in which children will be taught is by the repetitive work of teaching them the Psalms, teaching them the songs of Zion, having them memorize line after line of the word of God. Thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee. Psalm 119, verse 11. It's hard work for parents to do that. It doesn't always seem effective. It can become a drudgery. There's nothing particularly exciting about reviewing, reviewing, reviewing. But that's the wisdom of God. Teach them diligently. 
And then we see as well that through the means of teaching them diligently, then the child is given the ability to be useful in the service of the kingdom. Just as going through the work of sharpening a chisel makes it useful physically, so going through the work of teaching the child gives unto the child the ability to be a useful servant in the kingdom of Jehovah. That's the goal of parenting. Not to raise them up so that they might be successful in the estimation of man. Not primarily so that they can have financial success. But we raise up children that they can be useful in the service of Jehovah's kingdom. You see then that this work of teaching children is an all-encompassing work. It's a duty that requires every ounce of energy that the parent has. The text speaks of the all-encompassing work in the second half of verse 7. Thou shalt talk of them, the words of God, talk of them when thou sittest in thine house and when thou walkest by the way and when thou liest down and when thou risest up. In all of these different settings, parents are to be teaching their children First of all, the text speaks of when you sit in your house, and, and the idea here is of a family that is gathered around the table. Father, mother, and the children have gathered around the table, and they're sitting there at the table, and it is then at that time that the parents are to teach their children. An important reminder for us as parents to prioritize mealtime. Yeah, we do not allow the busyness of the things of this earth to cut into that family time, but gather around that table and give instruction to your children when they sit in your house. And then teach them diligently when you walk by the way. When you walk by the way. Think of Old Testament Israel here. Here's a father going out of the camp and gathering up manna, and by his side there is his young son. And as father and son walk by the way to gather this manna that God has sent, the father teaches his son about manna. This is God's gift unto us. If the Lord has provided us with this food, if God did not provide us with this food, we would waste away here in the wilderness. For there is insufficient water for us to stay alive here. But God keeps us alive with manna and with water from the rock. When you walk by the way, teach. And then, when thou liest down and when thou risest up. And here the text contrasts for us morning and evening. The bedtime, when the child is being prepared to go down, teach the child. Teach them diligently. Teach them to pray. 
teach them that they can come to God in prayer. Because Jesus has opened the way unto the Father. And then when you wake up, the first thing on the parent's mind teaching the child. This is a tedious world, a difficult, a demanding duty that God gives to parents. It's not possible for the parent to say that I'm only going to give part of myself to teaching the children. Then I'm going to spend the rest of the time focusing on me and what I want. Now, this is an all-encompassing commandment. From the moment you wake up to when you lie down at night, the duty of the parent is teach. This must be a priority for the parent. How can you teach if you neglect your children? How can you teach your children in the house if you're not by your children in the house? What if mom has gone working? Then how does she teach? What if dad takes on extra jobs? How does he teach? What if the parents are home, but when they are home, their minds are far away from their children, preoccupied with what's in front of them on the television or on their phones, that they're home, but they're not home. Teach. Teach your children when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, when you lie down, and when you rise Teach them the truth. That's what we give to children. Truth. God says in verse 6, And these words which I command thee this day shall be in thine heart, and thou shalt teach them, teach these words diligently unto thy children. What a thought that God privileges us as parents to take God's words, these words, and be the vessel, the instrument, by which the words of God come unto the children. Teach them God's words. Teach them the wisdom, the understanding of God. Our God is a speaking God. Our God is a God who is pleased to reveal Himself unto His people. Our God is not a God who hides away from us. Our God is not a God who withdraws His face from us. But our God is the one who is pleased to have the light of His countenance shine down upon us and bless us, His people. And the wonder is that God calls the parent then to be the instrument by which these words, the words of God, proceed unto the covenant children 
of the church. It's a special calling that God gives unto parents. It's a calling that the world will minimize and always has minimized. The world will never celebrate and rejoice in the fact that Christian parents are prioritizing teaching their children the words of the Lord. But the Christian has a different attitude toward this calling. The Christian loves to teach the children the words of the Lord. The Christian mother beholds the truths contained in God's word. She loves them. And she wants to teach it to her children. The Christian father understands that he's a sinner saved by grace. And he prays that his children would be given the same knowledge of their Savior. The same truth that we teach unto our children is the word that gives encouragement unto us as parents. We need this encouragement as we see the high standard that is set before us in the word of God. Who of us measures up to that standard? And as parents, we can be overwhelmed with a sense of guilt and shame with our failure. As parents. And so we need then the comfort and the encouragement that arises from the same words of truth that we give unto our children. The truth that was taught to Israel of old was the truth that there were sacrifices which were to be offered for the sins that were committed. And through the way of these sacrifices being offered, their sins would be covered. In the New Testament, as saints, we reflect upon the perfect sacrifice which God himself offered through his Son, Jesus Christ. It's through Christ. That God forgives us as parents the sins that we commit in this special office. It is through Christ that we as parents have hope, a certain hope, that God will establish his covenant not only with us, but also with our children. And it is through Christ that we have the eager expectation that someday God will take us out of the wilderness of this earth and will bring us into the rest of kingdom. Amen. Let us pray. Our Father and our God in heaven, may we never forget what thou hast performed for us, as thou didst bring us out of captivity, and thou dost bring us, even now by the preaching of thy word, in to the kingdom of Jesus 
Christ. Wilt thou bless and keep us? Wilt thou forgive us our sins? For Jesus' sake we pray this. Amen.